Welcome to the podcast of Fairmount Presbyterian Church in Cleveland Heights, Ohio, where we feature our worship sermons. Listen again to past sermons from home, when you are traveling, or wherever you are. Listen in if you need a moment of reflection, inspiration, and love. Good morning. Ooh, this is really high up here. <laughs> Man. It sure is good to be here with all of you this morning. I am so grateful to your pastor, Reverend Ryan and Reverend Lindsay, for extending their grace and kindness to me. Uh, Reverend Ryan was a little more forceful. You will preach for me on August 6th. <laughs> and because I, I'm a fan of Lindsay, and I was telling Kate I needed a stole, she brought me some of Lindsay's stole. So her mantle has been placed on me. And I just hope and pray that I can deliver God's word better than Lindsay. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't tell her that. Matter of fact, delete that off of the, off of the video. But I am just so excited to be here this morning. And thank you, everyone, for your warm welcome to me. Um, it means very, very much. So I anticipate that I'm going to mess up. So be okay with it, okay? Because of that skit, it's okay <laughs> to mess up. But I will do my best. I'm nervous, but now that I'm here, <sighs> I'm a little better. Hear now this word of God. Coming from 1 Samuel chapter 17, we're just going to look at verses 38 through 50. And I use the New Revised Standard Version, the updated edition, so I hope you still follow along. Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a bronze helmet on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. David strapped Saul's sword over the armor and he tried in vain to walk for he was not used to them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I am not used to them. So David removed them. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the wadi, or river, and put them in his shepherd's bag in the pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. The Philistine came on and drew near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. When the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy, reddish color, and handsome in appearance. The Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the wild animals of the field. But David said to the Philistine, you come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This very day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the Philistine army this very day to the birds of the air 
of the earth so that all the earth may know that there is a God in Cleveland Heights and that this assembly may know that the Lord does not save by sword and spear for the battle is truly the Lord's and he will give you into our hand. When the Philistine drew near to meet David, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet the Philistine. David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone, slung it, and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank deep into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David prevailed against the Philistine with a sling and a stone, striking him down and killing him. There was no sword in David's hand. Here ends the reading of God's word. Master, help me to do your word justice for your people. When the Philistine drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. As a child, I absolutely loved fairy tales, make-believe stories that had been passed on in a community or a country, tales that to me sounded magical and believable, probably because they were told in the, in the voices of two people that I trusted more than anything, my mother and my Fairy tales involve folklore characters like fairies and dragons, elves, talking animals, even giants, each a participant in a far-fetched, crazy sequence of events, which contains superficial references to religion or even to actual people, places, or events. Fairy tales always take place once upon a time an unidentified time, and they make you want to listen to the tale all the way to the end. Though our text is not an official fairy tale in the classical sense like Hansel and Gretel, the old woman in a shoe, Pinocchio, Rumpelstiltskin, Little Red Riding Hood, or even Cinderella, this tale about David and Goliath sure reads like a fairy tale a magical and unbelievable tale, offering hope that we can, in fact, defeat our enemies even when we have no sword. Once upon a time in a land far, far away, the Israelites decided that they no longer wanted Yahweh, the God of Israel, to be their God. They didn't want God to be their ruler anymore, instead, they wanted to be just like the other nations around them. They wanted what other nations had. They wanted to do what other nations were able to do, namely govern themselves and make their own rules. The Israelites were on God because, you know, God can't tell time. He takes forever. So they're tired of waiting on him. They wanted a king that they could physically see and actually touch. They wanted a king that wouldn't be so demanding and so strict with all these commands and do this, don't do that on that day, but not this day. They wanted a human king 
possibly to even manipulate that king into doing whatever it is they wanted to do in the way that they wanted to do it. In response to the people's desire for a human king, God reluctantly appoints Saul, a member of the tribe of Benjamin, one of the 12 tribes of Israel. God reluctantly appoints Saul, knowing that Saul is nowhere near the kind of guy or king that the people needed, because only God is what the people needed. But one day, the Philistines, Canaanite people who lived in Israel before the Israelites even arrived, they were a powerful, cultured um, a powerful and cultured community of people, and they possessed iron. They were the high-tech Silicon Valley folk of their day. They were the ones who did all that they could to keep Israel from gaining iron and access to their technology. As a result of this, Israel fought with the Philistines constantly. In fact, for much of their history, they were always at war. They worshiped many gods, Baal and Dagon. But our story takes place as the Philistines attempt to push their way through the valley of Elah toward the heart of Judah. It was here in this valley that King Saul and his army engaged the Philistines to stop them from making any more advances. But to make a very long tale shorter, out of nowhere, Goliath, this magical and massive fairy tale-like giant standing four cubits and a span, which translates into nine and a half feet tall, dressed in heavy metal and bronze with a coat of mail or skin armor and a spear like a weaver's beam, out of nowhere, Goliath comes out of the ranks of the Philistines, talking trash, shouting and taunting the Israelites unmercifully. I know you've never seen nothing like me before. Your army is not prepared to fight against me. Your army isn't big enough or strong enough to fight against me. Your army doesn't even have the courage to fight against me. So choose a man for yourself and let him come to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants, Israel. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. Today, I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man, give me a man that we might fight together. Needless to say, when Saul and all of his army heard these words of the Philistine, they were indeed dismayed and greatly afraid. But what happens next, aside from our text in 1 Samuel, happens only in fairy tales. An untrained kid, an untrained shepherd boy named David, comes forward after hearing all of these threats by Goliath and volunteers, volunteers 
to go and fight against Israel's greatest enemy. Saul desperately tried to dissuade David, you're just a boy. You have your whole life ahead of you. Don't do this. Goliath has been a warrior all of his life. Son, you don't stand a chance against this man, so please reconsider. But undeterred, David is absolutely confident that he can take Goliath out and that the Lord will save him from the hand of this Philistine. Knowing what this young child is about to experience, what he's up against, Saul tries one more thing. Let me give David my armor. He gave him his armor, his helmet, his coat of mail, even his own sword. David gets suited up and immediately starts complaining. Because David can't pretend to be a warrior when he's not. David can't fake the courage he would need to fight this enemy if he doesn't already possess courage. David can't walk in someone else's armor because he's not used to them. David is a shepherd. He's used to a rod and staff. So David removes the king's armor, lays down Saul's sword, takes his staff in his hand, chooses five smooth stones from the river, and with the slingshot in his other hand, David drew near to the enemy. David put his hand in his bag, took out one stone, and slung it, striking the Philistine and killing him. Verse 50 says, there was no sword in David's hand. That sounds to me just like a fairy tale. People are threatened and an unlikely hero comes forward. One you least expect, one who's least prepared, but also one who is the least afraid. This unlikely hero defies the enemy and people's lives are spared. David knows and David understands that just because he has no sword, no spear or javelin, doesn't mean that he cannot fight his enemy and win that battle. It means that he can defeat the enemy with just the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. Like David and Goliath, all of us have enemies. Some we know, some come up out of the ranks, some just come out of nowhere. Some of our enemies attack us very differently than others, and not all of our enemies have a giant, a champion named Goliath fighting on their side. But I believe the goal, or should I say the moral of this story, that sounds like a fairy tale is this. We can all live happily ever after, even when we have no sword, even when we have nothing to fight with, even when our enemy is depression, even when our enemy is financial distress, even if our enemy is failing health, even if our enemy that we fight against is our own self. 
when you have no sword to defend yourself against constant attacks and constant threats from the enemy or to defeat a situation for the better, when you have no sword, know that you can still fight. You can still draw near to the Philistine. You can run quickly to the battle line to meet your enemy. You can still speak truth to perceive power and you can prophesy victory before victory is won. When you have no sword, you can still put one foot in front of the other and reach down into your bag of provisions, what you are familiar with, what you know how to use, and come out swinging and slinging, striking your enemy, and then watch them fall face down or flat on their back. Because God has told us repeatedly this good news, not to worry about a weapon, because no weapon formed against us, remember God said, shall prosper. Because the weapons of our warfare are not merely human, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. The good news is, when you have no sword, God has still told us that he will bless us. And the giant who curses us, God will curse, so that all of the families of the earth might be blessed. When you have no sword, remember, neither did David and neither do you and I. But we can draw near. We can run quickly to fight this enemy because the battle is not ours. It belongs to the Lord, and he has promised to give the enemy into our hand. Good news, our lives may or may not read like a fairy tale, but we can, all of us, have a happy ending. Knowing and having faith just like David, that God will fight for us, with us, God will fight despite us, whether we have a sword, five smooth stones, or simply our faith, just believing that God will do that for us. Then all of us will for sure live happily ever after. The end. We thank you for listening to a worship episode from Fairmount Presbyterian Church. Revisit this podcast site weekly for new worship episodes. Have a beautiful and blessed day.